Hey friend, welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Mike McCurry. You're listening to the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast, and I appreciate the fact that you are. I hope you've had a good week thus far. I hope you're looking forward to this coming weekend. We get to celebrate a special day, a momentous day, a day without which you might not be here. You see, we're going to talk about Mother's Day. We're going to talk about mothers. Now, I'll be honest with you. It's a little bit sad that we relegate these amazing individuals, these ladies that have been so instrumental in you and I being here, we kind of relegate them to one day. What's up with that? We give entire months to other causes and mothers get one day. That's a little bit backwards in my mind, but at least, at the very least, we're going to give mothers a week. Here on Bible Tract Echoes, I hope you'll come along for the ride. We've been in the book of Ruth, and we're going to find our place back there right now. The book of Ruth. Find your place in Ruth chapter 1. We're going to look at a couple of mothers here in the book of Ruth in just a moment. Let me encourage you. Let this be your reminder. You need to get your mother a Mother's Day gift. If you say, I'm a little... I'm a little estranged from my mother. We don't really talk all that much. I don't know how to say this without it being too incredibly blunt, but hogwash, phooey, uh, bunk and applesauce. I, I, I don't know where that came from, but my brothers and I, back in the day, kids, kids, I don't know, somewhere we heard it and we kind of adopted that as if we don't believe something, bunk and applesauce. And anyway, I know it's, it sounds kind of odd to my ears now, but let me just say it again, bunk and applesauce. If you think that some past irritation and some past issue with your mother should be a reason that you don't celebrate this day and thank your mother, she could have died giving birth to you. And no matter what has happened in the meanwhile, you need to be thankful for her. You don't understand, Brother Micah. This, 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 and this are the, these are the reasons why I harbor bitterness in my heart. Can I tell you, you'd be hard-pressed were I standing in front of you and I handed you the Bible that I have in my lap right now. If I handed you this Bible and, sa- and told you, please give me the biblical reasons why you have bitterness towards your mother. Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, we might be a little at a loss for words, wouldn't we? Can I tell you, no one's perfect. Mothers aren't perfect. I had a phenomenal mother. As close to perfect as you can get. But you know what? Of course there's always been difficult things. But I'm so thankful that Christ overcame so many difficulties, if you can call them that, to save my soul. In spite of how unlovely, unlovable I am, he died for me. Be kind to your mother. Be nice to your mother. Get her a gift this week. Ruth chapter 1, we noticed in the book of Ruth that Naomi and her family went to the country of Moab. Should they have been there? Oh, likely not. But they went nonetheless. They went there and what happened? Malon died. Chilion died. Both of her sons died. The grief must have been overwhelming, especially since it came on the heels of her husband, Elimelech, dying as well. 
and they had been there in the, in Moab. They only planned to be there for a short time. I don't know if their stay was originally booked for just months, but they ended up, I don't know, renting a home, buying a home. They lived there for 10 long years, and in the meanwhile, Naomi lost everything. We find their place in Verse number five, and Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. All that she had were two Moabite damsels, Orpah and Ruth, the daughters-in-law that were left from the unions of her now deceased sons. And in verse number six, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard... In the country of Moab, how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. She heard something was going on. She decided, finally, it's time. We're going back home. But she was planning on going alone. She was going to be a widow for life. She was planning on residing in her old family home and really just taking up space, just being there a if I can say this, a crotchety woman overcome by the grief of the world. And we notice the type of woman that she was, the type of woman she was planning on being in Ruth chapter number one. Look at verse number 19. So they two, just two. What do you mean? What about Orpah? Well, Naomi in her irritation, in her grief, pushed Orpah back to her people. Orpah went back to Moab. But Ruth stayed, so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? Oh my. Think about that. It wasn't a joyous exclamation. Is this Naomi? I'm so glad to see you. No, it was more of a snide aside, I think. Is this Naomi? Oh, they left when there were hard times. There was a famine, and she and Elimelech and her two sons died and out back there in Moab. I'm not surprised that God judged them for leaving. We, my family, these Bethlehemites were probably thinking, my family stayed. We toughed it out. We survived. Naomi left, and now she's coming back because she hears that we have bread again. Verse number 20, she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Think about that. The word Naomi, her name means pleasant and beautiful. Mara means bitter, bitterness. The very verbal personification of that attitude, bitterness. Verse number 21, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Verse 22, so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. What you think about that? She was overcome. I mentioned yesterday, but it bears repeating that I can't even begin to empathize. I can't even begin to imagine the grief that she was going through. She lost her two sons. 
She lost her husband. Her station as a mother has been called into question. You can make the case she no longer is a mother, at least that's the way she feels. Even though her children have gone on to glory, she's no longer a mother in her mind. She's barely uh, the adopted mother of this young woman from Moab, but almost forgotten is Ruth in her grief. Naomi's absolutely ransacked by it. The irritation, the angst, the anger has swelled up, and she almost figuratively shakes her fist at an almighty God. But friend, could we turn a corner together? Could you learn something with me today? We see Naomi here, so overcome, so bothered. But I'd like you to notice what God does. Of course, we know that Ruth goes to glean in Boaz's field, and Boaz is kind to her. Think about that first moments that she came home with her basket piled high with the goodness from the field of Boaz. I wonder if that was the first crack in the armor of that Naomi had built up against the world when she saw that God is blessing us. God is doing something with us here. But I'd like to continue on. Of course, Boaz is so kind, he expresses his desire to marry Ruth, a woman who was not from around there. And we notice the fact that even though she was a Moabite, even though everyone else in that village, in that town of Bethlehem, probably avoided Ruth to some degree, her, her accent was different, the cut of her clothes was different, everything about her, the cast of her skin, probably she was very noticeably different. And yet Boaz was kind to her. He proposes marriage. But realize, as the kinsman redeemer, there was one that had a nearer claim that had the opportunity to marry her first. And Boaz, of course, in Ruth chapter number four, really in a subtle way, in a smart way, in a, in a very savvy way, goes to that man and lays out the details of a piece of land that this nearer kinsman, the one with right of first refusal, that he would be allowed to buy, to redeem, if he so chose. And he did want to. He desired to, this other man did. But then Boaz let the other shoe drop, and he brings up Ruth and says, if you buy that land, realize, legally, you've got to marry Ruth as well. Ruth chapter number 4 and verse number 5, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. But we notice a change of heart by this other man. Verse number six, the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Why has he realized that he needs to talk to his accountant? Has he found out there's a tax lien or something against this property and it's no longer as good of a deal? A few verses earlier, he was all about it. He was willing to strike a deal right then and there. He says, now I, I cannot redeem it, lest I mar mine own inheritance. What a, what a hurt that must have been to Ruth. Of course, she wanted this outcome she wanted Boaz to marry her, not this man who obviously did not love her, but 
think one last dig at the fact that she's a Moabitess damsel. You know what this man was saying? I don't want half-breed children. But it was all in God's plan, wasn't it? Because now this opened the pathway for Boaz to marry her. But now I have a question for you. We're talking about mothers. We're not leaving Naomi to the side. We're going to discuss and continue this, the, the conversation with Naomi. But what was it that caused Boaz to be such a kind man? What was it that allowed him to be so tender-hearted to the down and out, to those that were different from everyone else? We're going to dive into that tomorrow. I want to thank you for listening today, though. I hope you've had a great day. I hope you will have a great day for his glory. If you would, please consider joining us tomorrow as we continue this thought. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.